Good morning, traders. Are you guys ready to start the week? I know it's a short week, but something tells me it will be action-packed. Let's take a look at what happens. We'll take a look. The analysts are coming out of the slumber and ratings all around. We'll talk a little bit about new car and new cars troubles could be coming. We'll take a look at the chip design. ARM coming soon, IPO, setting an IPO range of 47 to 51. Hmm, interesting. Will this be the IPO that really gets things going? And of course, we'll take a look at the rebalance. Airbnb, Blackstone, joining the S&P 500. Stay tuned. We got a great one for you guys. Like always, right here on Pre-Market Prep. Don't go anywhere. It's time to rise and shine, traders. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, traders, let's get it started. Let's take a look here at the S&P 500, and I'll just do the SPY. Uh, you guys can see we were down a little bit at 5 a.m., started to climb back. We're almost back there uh, to pretty much unchanged. We'll see if we can get back to Friday's close. Definitely getting a little bit of a leak down in some of the tech names. You guys can see how the queues were down a little bit more in Starting to get back, but they're a little bit further than, of course, Friday's close. We'll take a look at that action. And, of course, we'll take a look at some oil stocks. Uh, we'll, I like to keep an eye on WTI. I see WTI has been in the range between 85 and 86 just last week. We were down there towards like 79.80. So big move up there towards 85 and 86. We'll talk about how that could be impacting some oil stocks. Gold down today. Silver down also after the recent lift last week. So we'll see if these start to get hit a little bit more. And then, of course, we can keep our eyes on Bitcoin to see what goes on in Bitcoin. Will we continue to see a lift on those names Let's just get back to the spy. Let's get back to the market. Let's bring on my man, Dennis Dick. Let's talk about what he's been seeing. And let's let's take an overall assessment of the macro situation. I mean, we're still in this choppy environment. August was kind of choppy, straight down for the first three weeks and straight up for the last week. Got back a lot of the losses here. Some people think a new all-time highs are on the horizon I think the next few days are going to tell the story here because the one thing that you have is traders back at their desk today. Labor Day, back to school, analyst action, crazy here today, Money Mitch. So many upgrades and downgrades where we've had crickets here for the last few weeks. All these analysts are now back at their desks. They're getting their notes out there. The ones that they didn't get out today, they're going to get out there tomorrow. So expect another big analyst day there tomorrow. Moving stocks around. You've got commentary from some of the big dogs on the macro picture, UBS, Stiefel. So I don't know where you want to start, but there is a lot of commentary on these markets. Everybody has an opinion. That's what it's all about. And we'll get into that opinion. Let's start it off with some of these ratings. Normally, we come to them a little later in the show. But I think there's some of these that are 
going to be moving some stocks. And yeah, like Dennis said, um, we had like a little bit of a quiet period. A lot of it, um, you guys could see the lower volume in the market. Let's see if the volume comes back as the analysts step up to the plate. First one we're going to talk about today is Oracle. Yep. This is Barclays upgrading Oracle to overweight, raising price target to 150. And as you guys can see on the right-hand side, this seems like it's been breaking out on a nice little kind of pattern here. Now starting to rise. Can it get back there towards the highs? I have on the 15th of June, we had 127.54. We're at 123. Are we on our way? What are you thinking here, Dennis? Uh, I actually do think we're on our way. I like this upgrade. I actually was looking at this stock just from a technical basis, and it looked mm -hmm. like it was trying to consolidate, trying to break out here. It is kind of value tech as opposed to, you know, the, the nosebleed multiple. Ford P on Oracle is only 21. I know, yeah, if you look on like a current P basis, they see 39. But you want to look at the forward ones where the estimates are coming and where they're going to. 21 is where it's really sitting at, which isn't so really expensive. A little expensive relative to where Oracle normally sits, but we know they're taking this as an AI play here now. And it's a value AI play. And you got three days of consolidation with three lows, almost identical, 120.09, 120.15, 120.12, all in the same area, finding nice support there. And now you get the analyst rating that breaks it out of here. Obviously, overall market is going to move the stock as well, but I think the stock could see new all-time highs. Yeah, it's definitely something to look for. And I mean, these are the type of stocks that I think will truly get the AI lift, right? And that's one thing that I think we're going into more and more is determining which one of these stocks are true AI and actually going to be revenue drivers to the bottom line right now, right? And I think that that's the important thing. It's companies like Oracle, companies like CRM, you guys heard a lot of mentions last week on their AI. Look at the recent kind of uplift times, there. I think was the Nick Brown count. Yeah, and I and I think that these are the type of stocks definitely that it's not a talk about if AI is going to hit the revenue. They will. Yes, they will actually hit the revenue, and I think that that's the important thing: distinguishing between what's true AI and what's more like hype AI. This to me. Definitely CRM, Oracle, in that space, i definitely keep an eye out. Um, and then we'll see if Oracle can get to the next level. Next daily level, kind of this high right here from the 13th is 123.99. I think definitely Joel would like me to st uh, point that one out. There's a couple of daily highs at the 123.36. Uh, so let's see if we can get back into there, 124 handle, and start to climb on Oracle. Let's go to the next one, Lulu. All right, Bernstein upgrading Lulu Athletica to market perform, raising price target to 366. It's up there to 400. This is one that just recently took a downturn here. I was even calling a short here, and it went down pretty quickly, but then also came back just as fast here. Dennis, what do we do with Lulu? Well, turn, so turned on the earnings report, stock has been unbelievably resilient forever. This has always been a best of breed stock. It's always traded with a premium multiple. The earnings report knocked it down $10, $12 on the initial report. Actually, I think it was down almost 20, Joel said. Got down to that yeah. double bottom at 360. It was down there for about a millisecond and then turned around and they started buying it and they bought it all day on Friday. This this report or, or 
analyst report isn't going to affect it because this is one that's simply chasing the price. They've been wrong. They had an underweight on it. They're bringing it up to neutral um, stock. So if you're wondering why it's not up on the upgrade, there's always, you know, you've got to, you know, understand how ratings work. When you get the ones that are following a big earnings report, they don't have much influence, especially when they're just going up to neutral because it's just the analysts throwing in the towel on the sell rating is what it is. So this isn't like conviction buy. This is just, you know, they still have a 360 price target. They've just been wrong. And they're moving up so they don't look that bad. So they're moving their, their rating up. So this isn't like the Oracle one that we just covered. Completely different. Not going to move the stock. Uh, Donka Dave asking, uh, is it more prudent to pick a basket of stocks in AI, say the top three or top five? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. So, I mean, you're not just going to pick just one winner, right? But the, the key there is just trying to disswing, distinguish which ones will actually have revenues from AI. Now, Lulu, I think Here, is this a, a is why, and it's a good question, like this is why, and, and, and Donka and Dave, this is the issue, yeah. is that the only company we know for sure that is 100% going to benefit from NVIDIA and or, or undoubtedly from AI is NVIDIA. And that's yeah, why everybody keeps 100%. doing that. It's the only one that is benefiting now. You know, Microsoft talked about, you know, we all thought it was like going to be huge chat GBT. Then they talked on the earnings call a gradual. And that's when they knocked it down. Gradual, or, you know, earnings increase or gradual revenue increase from AI. NVIDIA is robust. It is coming like it is there now. There's pull forward, I've been arguing, because everybody's trying to catch up and they're using the NVIDIA chips to do it. So, I mean, NVIDIA, we know, is a huge AI play and it's a huge driver. Mm -hmm. We don't know any others. I've speculated for a long time. I think AMD is going to be a player, but we don't know that for sure. We know there's going to be portions, but we don't know mm. how much. Like, we know a lot of these companies like Microsoft, Broadcom, NVIDIA, or Broadcom, Oracle, AMD are going to benefit from it, but we don't know how much. We know NVIDIA is benefiting from it big time now. So you want the AI money now? It's NVIDIA. That's why this stock continues to get bought on dips. Got Had a dip on Friday. Does the dip get bought back? I think so. If I was looking for NVIDIA, 450 up to 500. Think about 475 here today. So maybe you get a dip down. You know, we got a little bit of weakness here early in the market. But I think the buyers re-emerge here in NVIDIA once again. The only concern is that we didn't make a new high on the recent move. So you got to keep that in mind. 502, mm -hmm. 500. And the valuation is still very rich here. So I'm not in NVIDIA, but it has worked to buy dips on the stock. If I add one more, I'm, we're thinking about like basket talk, right? I, I'd include Adobe in there because I really do think Adobe is that type that will find ways to use, uh, use regenerative AI and find ways to make revenue um, to, of course, their Adobe suite um, and all their kind of editing software, all that kind of software. I mean, let's be honest, I, this is one that's been getting the lift and I think it's already gotten a huge appreciation for it. It's up in 3.4 months, 52%. What a move there. Adobe. These are all potential future revenue generators, Adobe, all of these companies here. But like I said, the only one that's getting it all right now, hardcore, is right NVIDIA. Now. Yep. So, I mean, Adobe, I agree. I think Adobe is going to be an AI player. I think Broadcom is going to be an AI player. I think Oracle is going to be AI. I think it's going to be a lot of technology companies that benefit from AI. But again, the ones benefiting the most right now is NVIDIA, and that's why the relentless bit there. All right, let's go to another upgrade here. Let's go to Lowell, as we've been seeing, uh, of course, home improvement, housing doing well. Uh, they're stepping up here. This is an upgrade to outperform. And this is uh, Bernstein. Bernstein upgrading Lowell's uh, to company to outperform and raising price target to 282. 
I think that price target is definitely interesting because now we're talking what? We're talking above the 270 highs here. We're talking way up here in this space. What do you guys think about this call on lows? Home Depot and lows have been coming back. Um, they obviously, you know, were, you know, May, June, July, and then August, we had a little bit of weakness, but they're coming back to housing plays. You'd think interest rates, but, you know, again, these aren't direct because these are fixer uppers too. So, you know, some people just fixing up their homes, going in and doing stuff there. You're, you're, you're getting close to the highs, lows, the high of the year, two, 237, you're three bucks off that. So that's your next resistance point. Resistance very well defined. The all-time high is actually set back way back in 2021. All-time high on lows is 263. So you're still a little ways from there. Let's contend with the, the 2023 high first. It's going to do that today at 237. Let's see if it can get through there. But that's your next major resistance point. All right. Now this one's an interesting one. DPZ, Domino's Pizza. Who's ordering their Domino's? TD Cohen is for sure. TD Cohen upgrading Domino's to outperform and raising the price target to $450. It's one that you always seem to make money if you buy the dip. And the dip has been substantial in this thing. If we go back you know, to the all-time high in Domino's Pizza, it is way up at $567 back again, 2021, when everything topped out. We've been slowly crawling our way back. It's been a pretty good June, July, August. We are holding the gains, which is good news here as well. We have not filled that earnings gap. I believe that's what that was back in July, if my memory serves me well. So now you look, 400 is big psychological resistance here. Can we get an upgrade to kick us through that? I think eventually it could go. Um, one thing, you know, when Domino's decides to go, it really goes. So this is one that you got to be very careful and say, oh, three, four bucks. I've seen before Domino's Pizza go $20 on an upgrade. So you have to be very careful with this one. Uh, PE's always been somewhat reasonable on this stock. We go, it's 25. So, you know, it's not super expensive, but not super cheap either. I'd say it's more on the expensive side, probably from a restaurant standpoint here. But we know people order Domino's. It's pretty stable. It's got the consumer staple almost like multiple there where they pay 25 26 times for these things because the earnings are, are pretty you know predictable there so domino's pizza technically looks okay get above 400 would look a lot better but i've tried like i said fading upgrades on this stock before and been run over so just because it's up five bucks don't think it's fully priced in sometimes domino's can really go on upgrades yeah i was trying to find why that got that pop there in uh, on the looks like the the 12th. All right. Yeah, that's his earnings. Yeah, I was just making sure. Uh, all right. So it's on the on the morning of the 12th. They were there was a rating so. in there, too, that really ran it, too. And I don't know if there was the June one or the July one. There's two gaps you see up on the chart. One of them mm -hmm. was a rating. I think back in June, it was a rating. You can see how violent sometimes these things can move off a rating, which is crazy. So I think, you know, you're looking at stock or like 305 caught an upgrade. And the thing went to like 325 the next day. It's like a 7, 8% move. So I mean, Sometimes there can be really, really big moves off these ratings. So you got to be careful on Domino's Pizza. Big outlook. I'll be looking to see if they can get above 406.11 and 406.31, get towards the 406.50 area. And then now you're going for this high, this 409.95, 410. I think it could be in reach. I like how it's holding that 380. Definitely, you know, if it gets back into that gap zone now that you'd be a little bit careful. And I like the reaction that you're seeing uh, coming down and then coming back up for that 400. 400 is going to be something to watch for today. All right, RBC, capital upgrade on American Express. 
AXP. All right, this is an interesting area because, of course, we've been looking at the credit services. And what do you think here, Dennis? Do you think this could get the pop? Uh, it's getting a pop. This isn't the kind of stock that I think is going to just blast off. Like a Domino's Pizza, you know, when it's sitting up near those highs, has a history of sometimes blasting off on a rating. American Express does not. You got major resistance up at 164 to 165. That's three, four bucks higher than there. So there is some room. It is sitting down near the lows. If people are looking to come in here and bottom fish, the stock is sold off substantially, hasn't participated in the rally. I just think you got overhead supply everywhere here, so it's hard to get that excited about it. The Domino's Pizza, you got a little bit over a little overhead supply just comparing it there, but it's not like this American Express where the stock's been down for a month and a half here. So I think overhead supply will stall this out. I think there's some room to 164 to 165, but it's hard to get too excited about this upgrade. Let's get straight to shares of Airbnb and as they're climbing and also Blackstone is climbing roughly as uh, 5% even on the pre-market. We saw Blackstone up. This is off the news, of course, that they'll be joining the S&P 500 prior to the open of trading on Monday, September 18th. I'll give you guys the list of these stocks that are moving into the S&P 500. Here's the list here, and we can run down and Holy. take a look how this should affect some of these stocks. And some of them are being deleted. Some are, are being added, of course. So you guys see here the additions are Airbnb and Blackstone. Of course, Airbnb has been something we've been keeping an eye out for traveling. And then Blackstone, could they be getting that lift also with kind of the Bitcoin news? I've been keeping an eye on Blackstone. It's been looking not bad at all. Now, the ones that are being deleted here, LinkedIn National and Newell Brands. We can also take a look at those. Let's go. Uh, let's start off with the additions here. Uh, which one do you want to start off with, Blackstone let's, or Airbnb? Let's start with Airbnb. This is an incredible move here for it. And the S&P 500 ads really move lately. They've really been going. Usually, these moves are fades. Usually, this is done just for indexing. Everybody's chasing not with company fundamentals from a history and not saying he's coming here and sell it right away at 140, but it seems to be like these moves often do give them back. Not on day one, again, because the indexers coming in, but keep an eye. They're going to have a gap in the chart here now. I think eventually that gap could fill. Obviously, it depends on what the market does overall. I've liked Airbnb for a long time. I did sell all of my Airbnb. I am out of it. I bought it at 110 after the earnings. I sold some at 149. I sold the rest of it in the 130s here. I think 135, I want to say, or somewhere, somewhere in the okay. 130s. So I'm out of the out of out of it entirely. On a pullback here, I would have been more interested. It started to look interesting a little bit lower. I was hoping it'd come keep coming down, but it didn't. Now you get the SP taking it the other way. I'm not chasing it. I've never made a lot of money chasing S and P ads. You know, you think about like the history and how some of these stocks, you know, actually top out on S and P ads. Um, it was Pen Pen Gaming. Remember that one? Got added mm -hmm. into. I think it was the S and P. I don't know if it's a five hundred. Yeah, I remember. But it was one. Yeah. And went yeah, up that day from like 115 to like 130. That was the absolute high. It basically topped out right then on the S&P ad. So a lot of times these are fades, longer term fades. Again, I don't fade them on day one because the indexers are coming in. They're coming back to their desk. They're probably going to buy it here today because they need to chase it. But um, if you're an investor, I'd look for a better entry point. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, especially as an investor. I think that uh, one thing to definitely look for is can Airbnb get through 150? It struggles there multiple times, so we'll see what happens there. Blackstone. 
Blackstone coming up to 108.50. I've actually really liked this chart, um, especially as of late. You can see the reaction off the 100. It broke yeah. up here towards the 110, 108. Just got yeah. through this high here. Now I'd be looking for pullbacks kind of coming back here towards like 106, 105 area. Um, but this doesn't look bad. And overall, I mean, asset management, not looking too bad here. I like the weeklies also, especially when I'm looking at kind of more of a stock like this. It doesn't move too much. I want to be moving into deeper time frames to kind of make sure that I'm not catching myself in what? Just overextended on the daily, right? Jumping towards the, the buying action. No, I want to be looking for pullbacks and then trying to jump in on those pullbacks to Blackstone. I like uh, if we can come anywhere near the 105s, you can see it was kind of like support over here i'd look for that to kind of act as support here battle a little bit between 105 and 110 eventually taking that 110. i think the 110's resistance again i'm not chasing anything on an s p ad because just from a quantitative perspective it doesn't pay to chase these things um and there's a lot of them like you said you were showing some but there's a lot going into some of the lower uh, the smaller s p indexes here as well they were really yeah. doing a lot of rebalancing on friday night i think there was over 50 stocks that were affected there. So obviously, you know, we're looking at the S&P 500 because that's what we talk all the time. But there was some smaller moves um, in some of the smaller indexes as well. Um, again, not chasing these moves, just using it as a teaching tool here. It usually doesn't pay to chase the S&P ads. Definitely. And we'll see. Uh, it doesn't chase Blackstone 110. You, you called that even better than I did, Dennis. I think you saw these resistance. Um, let's go to the next here. Uh, next topic here. Let's go to Arm. Arm. What do you think about this uh, IPO, Dennis? Uh, this is an IPO that's going to be released. Arm Chip Design uh, submitted on Tuesday an updated filing for its upcoming blockbuster IPO. Here, the range is between forty-seven and fifty-one dollars. The big thing is, is this is going to compete with, uh, you know, now you're competing with AMD. You're competing with Nvidia. Will this competition come in and kind of? get the lift because it just already is getting the appreciation. What day do we think this is going to start trading? Um, it's just, date? I'm going to look for the actual date right now. I, I know it's coming up real soon. $51 a share they're looking for. You know, I was just trying to look in the background here too. Okay. Um, um, I, I think, I think this is going to be, a, uh, this is going to be one that's really going to get traded. So there's going to be some heavy volume. It's yeah, going to stick around on this. I'm looking forward to having this one to be able to trade it. I never trade the IPOs on day one or day two. Sometimes, you know, after a week, then I got some information, but they're just too wild for me off the hop. Again, I'm more a risk adverse trader. Um, you know, I've stayed in business in this business for 23 years by avoiding the high flyers because I don't want to like have a huge loss when you're on the wrong side of it. It's hard to control risk. But this one's going to be a fun one to trade for a very long time. So I do think, um, you know, it's going to be a good opportunity. $51 a share is where they're looking at. $52 billion valuation. It's kind of, the company's going to be a monster. September 13th is the date of the September release. September 13th. So it's coming. It's coming. September 13th. Yeah. It's definitely on a lot of people's radars. That's for sure. I know it's going to be on my radar. Just a pure appreciation for NVIDIA will be something to look at. This is another stock to, like I talked about the piston trading. You're going to move all these stocks. are going to move there together. So you add that one into your relationship pile. And, you know, and, and, and obviously, you know, it's, you know, you can trade it, not you can pair it with NVIDIA or anything, but you got to, you know, those, that's where it's going to move is in those sectors. Man, you. 
Uh, let's take a look at Man U. Uh, looks like the deal is not going to go through here as the UK Daily Mail mm. reporting Saturday that the Glazer family will take the club off the market after wow. failing to get the asking price. And this stock has seen huge appreciation thinking yes, that the deal was going to go through. I know you're a big ARB. What do we do here, Dennis? Um, and, and again, when rumors started for this deal, the stock was down at $13. So I think the market, you know, we didn't knock it down to 13 because the deal, you know, is not dead. And where there's smoke, there still might be fire. And I think, man, you could still get bought. So I don't think the risk garbs are going to knock this thing down into the, you know, 15, 16, 17 area. 20 is good support from a technical basis here. But again, when you're trading stuff on rumors, when you're trading stuff on potential M&A and stocks are in play, technicals go away. So, I mean, it all depends on, you know, what's the next headline come out? Is the deal really dead? Is there anybody else potentially there? Are they really taking themselves off the market? Or is this just trying to get, you know, a better price here? Because they don't obviously like the price that they're getting. Um, just consider, you know, that we did come from the $14 area before all these rumors started way back. And I think it was like November of last year. might have been October. Yeah, October of last year. So that's, you know, the bottom line is that this real deal really is dead and they really do not get any buyers. You could see that leak into the teens. So I don't want to be too early on this here. I don't think it's down enough for me as a risk arb trader to take a shot. I would say I'd want to see this lower, but the risk arbs are saying deal is not deal is not uh, officially dead. Let's go to the cars, autos. Let's talk a little bit about what's been going on here. Of course, I've been talking about this for a while now. Uh, could there be new car or used cars troubles coming? Of course, the current UAW contract expires on September 14th. So we're getting closer and closer. And as we get closer, of course, we could see a strike happen, right? Mm -hmm. um, I've been talking about that. And that's when my concern when Ford was up here at 15, let alone now here at 12, I mean, it has come down. The current UAW president, Sean Finn, said that I know that our demands are ambitious, but I told the companies repeatedly, I'm not the reason that members' expectations are so high. What's driving members' expectations are the big three's profits. You cannot make $21 billion in profits in half a year and expect members to take a mediocre uh, contract. And so this just tells me that they're going to keep battling here, guys. They, they want their money. Um, I saw an interview with uh, the ex-Ford CEO that was on CNBC, and he, he stated a couple of things that I thought were really interesting. I think one of the things he stated was the real battle here is not necessarily on the margins that you see today. It's the margins that you are seeing coming with EVs. Because yeah. if EVs are going to be the focus moving forward, yeah. the margins there are so tight. Like he yeah. said, the only person making money on EVs right now is Tesla, yeah. not the not the big three. And so this is the battle of the contract. Because if we give up a lot of money for these, you know, these labor deals, then those margins get tighter and tighter yes. and tighter. And so. Ford CEO. And their EVs aren't selling well. The Ford F-150 Lightning has been an epic disaster. I was very excited when I was long Ford two years ago. I was very excited for that truck to come out. But we know it's been a disaster. We talked about the towing capacity, not being up to par. I talked to a Ford auto worker there that works on the line, and he said, don't buy it. 
I won't say who it is, obviously, but he's like, there's too many issues with it right now. He's like, I would wait. I would wait until you get a couple years further into this where they can fix some of the issues. So, I mean, this is just, you know, been a disaster. The EV, and then you've got, you know, obviously the unions want more money. They can see everything's gotten more expensive. So everybody wants more money. This is, you know, the types of businesses where the merchants are getting squeezed. And and here, and here, it's almost like it feels a little bit like Disney, GM and Ford. And you're like, how can we yeah. like Disney? Because G- Disney was firing on all cylinders. Those, those parks were firing on all cylinders for the better part of a year and a half after COVID. And the stock still did not want to go up. And why the stock didn't go up is because, one, you know, the market maybe just realized that the other businesses weren't doing very well, and it knows that. But two is maybe they realized that the parks were not going to always be running, you know, as hot as they are. So if they ever started to slow down, it was going to affect the price. GM and Ford have the same problem. They've been selling at record profits. They've been selling so many cars, and the stocks still aren't responding. They have these low PEs, and maybe they realize that these margins on these EVs are going to be a lot tighter. They're not going to compete with Tesla on the margins. Tesla doesn't do any advertising. You know, they have spent a huge amount of money on advertising. Labor costs are going to be cheaper at Tesla. It's more automation. They just make them more efficiently. So, I mean, GM and Ford are going to come out. Their EVs aren't selling that well. They don't have the name like Tesla does in the industry here. They got problems. And now you're going to go on strike and have, you know, maybe have to get, you know, obviously squeeze these margins even more. It doesn't sound like a recipe. Like a yes, you look at four and GM and you think, wow, they're so cheap. The peas are so cheap. How can you go wrong? I think you can go wrong because you know what? If the E, if the if they start squeezing the margins, that doesn't help. And then if the revenues, you know, if they've been firing on all cylinders and now all of a sudden, you know, the the economy starts to slow down even just a tad, that's the first thing people cut out is new cars. So I'm staying away from GM and Ford. And there's more problems too. Ford ex CEO stating that. You have to make over a hundred thousand dollars per year to afford a new car right now. Of course, it's not an exact, but what he's pulling it out is that the average yeah. new car deal right now, Dennis, you ready for this? Over seven hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. The that, financing. That's not the way it was. Yeah, that's not the way it was no. even in twenty twenty. Here, I can tell you right now, I can. I'm not trying to afford no seven hundred dollar car bill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who is Mitch? This is the this, so this is why solar and we've talked about this. Solar has really been in the gunner. Like, why can't solar catch a lift? Why can't solar catch a lift? Because you know what? Even though interest rates may go down in the future, they're here to stay in the short term. And these are financing plays. And these heavy financing plays, this is tough for people to get the credit to go out and to buy you know, solar panels for, you know, whatever they're doing for the house or, you know, or getting involved. It's the same thing with automotive. These are huge financing plays and interest rates are hitting this industry. So, and if they're not hitting them today, they're going to hit them tomorrow. So this is, this is the issue with Ford and GM financing plays. It's just more expensive now. Yes, there is some people who are still buying new cars. There is some people who, a lot of people who make more than a hundred thousand a year, but the average Joe is maybe not looking at a new car here now, Mitch. So it's a fantastic point. Financing mm-hmm. is an issue here as well. There are a lot yeah. of issues here for Ford and GM. I think we need to like allow them to like figure it out before just jumping in because the PE is, is cheap. Yeah, and uh, some people were saying, could that give Carvana a lift or companies like you know CarMax a lift? Right? Uh, what do you think about that outlook? Um, you're saying obviously like, that people got to come and cars. fix up their, yeah, used yeah, car they, dealers. Used cars because new. 
they can't pay and, the new car. There's an argument there. A Carvana is its own story. We know that's just trading, you know, on the squeeze and you know doing its own thing. Carmax, I've always kind of liked that stock. It's one that always seems to come back. I would rather own a Carmax here than a Ford or GM, but I think I'm just staying away right now. Like I think if margins start to get squeezed, we know people are willing to pay to do stuff. The cruise line's still busy. The airlines are still busy. But I think that'll be a sacrifice of like going and like, you know, buying even, you know, a new car to you, which is a used car. So, I mean, new cars, I think, are the first thing that's getting cut. Used cars, like, oh, maybe I can drive my current car for a little bit longer. I'll just fix it up. You know, I'll get, you know, something, you know, I'll take it in, spend some money on it, fix it up. I mean, these are just big ticket purchases here. And again, interest rates take a long time to work as well, folks. Like, it's not like interest rates, you raise rates and everybody stops spending tomorrow. People stop spending when they don't have money. And it's not instantaneous, these things. So as much as, you know, we've seen, you know, certain pockets slow down, it hasn't really hit the economy yet. But I still think if you keep interest rates elevated where they are, certain big ticket stuff like cars, new cars, I don't want to go there. All right, let's go. We'll finish up this conversation. Let's get back to the markets. A lot of talk on soft landing, right? And you're seeing analysts talk out there, uh, UBS saying that they're sticking with their softish landing uh, view for the U.S. economy. Um, we got a couple of outlook there. They gave also a bear case view that by November's FOMC meeting, the economy will have shown clear signs of slowing and leading the Fed to finally putting an end to its sharpest rate hike cycle since 1980s. Um, what do you think about this outlook? I know that you caught some other analysts' outlook. Dennis, what do you think about what's going on uh, with just the overall economy? Again, it's analyst day. We're going to get Sean Emery here in a, in a minute too. But again, it's analyst day and they are coming out not only with comments on individual companies, but they're coming out with comments on the overall macro environment here. And it's UBS that's giving these comments, Mitch, just to clarify. Yes. You, so UBS bullish here, Stiefel conservative. So Stiefel was saying the opposite here today. They said it's extremely, I was trying to find actual the quote if I can find it because they used a the word extremely. Um, Stiefel being very conservative, man, I had it up. I'm just scrolling through, trying to find the actual words. I'm not going to be able to find it here in the next few seconds there. So we'll just say, I remember seeing the word extreme. They said it's extremely unlikely that we're going to hit new all-time highs here by the end of the year. So they're being a little more cautious. So you have some analysts coming out a little more cautious, some analysts coming out aggressive. Everybody's got an opinion like we started the show here with. I have an opinion as well, although my opinion is more chop. I think you're going to see some chop. I don't want to chase in this environment here. I don't think it's going to be as easy sledding as the first half. We've come back nicely from the lows, um, you know, and it's been a nice bounce. And I think if you were sitting all in stocks and you were kind of for second week of August, kind of like, oh, man, I'm losing a lot of money here. And you're bouncing back here. I don't think you should expect to make a lot. I think it's like you should be a little bit happy that you got some of this money back and maybe be lightening up into this rally here. So it's been a really good rally here. But we're going to bring Sean on. Sean Emery has obviously got a lot of stocks that he talks about. He's been all over and making some great calls over there. So let's grab Sean. Sean Emery, founder and CIO of Avery Company. How we doing? It's good to have you on. How we doing, Sean? Good to see you. How you guys doing? It's been a little bit. 
we've been talking about everybody seems to have an opinion today. A lot of analysts chiming in, some bullish, some bearish. You know, it seems like we have like a hundred ratings here today. Lots of opinions here. So we want to get Sean Emery's opinion on this market. I mean, the first half, let's do the macro first. First half of the year, really good for stocks, obviously. Um, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of technology companies really benefiting. Then we've cooled off a little bit through the summer here, but we've come back in the last couple of weeks. What's Sean Emery's lookout for the second half or, or basically the last quarter of 2023? Yeah, I mean, our, our view is somewhat more of the same, which is, you know, we're pretty constructive on the economy. The, the big picture, though, is like you step back, you look at what the companies have tried to do over the last year, which is essentially prepare for this recession. We heard it, the narrative, you know, for good reason. You know, there was a lot of data points pointing to economic weakness. Um, and, you know, you've heard like the rolling recession. Really, it's just like, you know, service doing well, you know, goods doing bad. And it's really like this two-sided economy. But with that kind of in mind, these companies have been cutting costs operationally for a year. So, you know, what you're seeing is pretty healthy margins uh, across the board where macro stays static. And, you know, what we're actually hearing is some reacceleration in, in growth. So you, you know, you get back to an earnings story that becomes somewhat interesting. And that's why you're seeing earnings uh, estimates come up essentially across the board. Um, obviously there's pockets of strength, pockets of weakness that I think uh, you want to look through, but you know, more of the same and companies have been preparing for a potential recession. Yeah. I mean, that's really kind of our view is companies are, are, are positioned well. Sean, you were talking about removing the top 10 um, stocks in the S and P and then looking at valuation from there. And you were arguing that some of these stocks are cheap. I've argued kind of the same. I mean, we know the S&P, you look and you're like, oh, it's relatively expensive. But when you look at those top companies, like obviously Apple trading 30 times earnings, Microsoft trading was out 32. It's pulled off the highs. I don't think it's that high anymore, but 29 times earnings. All these companies, you know, have premium multiples here. Amazon's always had a high multiple. Um, but you were saying if you remove those stocks, the S&P doesn't look that expensive. Talk about that. Yeah. I mean, look, there's so many ways to slice and dice and hopefully there's no bias <laughs> in, you know, what you're trying to achieve here. But it's... um. It's, you know, you literally just, you know, you strip out the the, the top 10 companies uh, in the S&P and what you have is uh, an index that is trading, you know, at mid um, teens multiple, uh, mm -hmm. right around 14 to 15 times. Wow. Um, if you just look at charts, right, if you, if you just like, you know, started to look through and scan through like small caps or mid caps, you'd see a much different story than, you know, if you just started to scan through like some of the large caps uh, that are out there. So I think that shows up in valuations as well. Um and, you know, you go back in history and you just take the, the median or the average of, of, you know, the equal weighted or you take the, the median average of, you know, stripping out the top 10. We're trading below market multiples, um, average market multiples or median market multiples. And ultimately, I think that all that spells, you know, opportunity. That's where you probably want to start looking. Um, it doesn't necessarily, you know, we were talking deep recessions a year ago. We were talking, you know, about, you know, a bear market that was going to last an eternity. It makes some sense that people would the first thing they step into are the most comfortable assets that are, you know, are out there. Add on, you know, the AI trend and who's going to benefit there. I think it's clear they'll benefit, but you know, I think you take those two things, you know, fear. How do you step back into the markets? It makes a lot of sense to go into the big heavyweights. Um, and then you, you know, sprinkle on a little AI and I guess, you know, supercharges some of those. So interesting opportunities and in everything else uh of the markets, I think. Well 
Well, let's talk everything else and give us a couple of names that you're looking at. I know you gave us Fiverr there. I think it was last time we were on the show. And Fiverr had a really good couple of weeks there and went from 27 to about 34. So you've given us a good one in the past here. You've given us some good calls on Twitter as well. Give us a couple of names that you're eyeing, maybe in these, like, you know, that aren't too expensive here, but, you know, still have that opportunity to, to move. Yeah. Um, I do actually think, uh, you know, so I'll give you several, right? And okay, then full disclosure, excellent. we may own some of them, but. Um, you know, Fiverr, we, we mentioned, you know, we still think something like a, a company called Nutanix, uh, NTNX, you know, continues to perform fundamentally. They've been going through this transformation. There is software companies, software for infrastructure technology or hardware. You know, the software sits on top of it. Um, they've, they're fully through their transition. Um, so now you're seeing a story where revenue is accelerating, margins are expanding, and a low multiple, you know. Probably, you know, one of the more interesting opportunities out there. Investor Day, we're going to attend in New York in, you know, a couple of weeks. Um, you take a, yeah, yeah. You, you take a company. Yeah, so that that's done really well. Um, and we expect more there. But the uh, you take like a Zoom of the world, which we think, you know, probably has a couple more quarters to, to flow through um, and continue to have Zoom phone and contact center perform well um and become less of a meeting story a zoom meeting story and more of a you know a full unified communications platform uh and that that's coming to fruition it's just a matter of you know the market you know essentially believing that uh, a lot of that has to show up in the in the in the in the financials everything that they disclose so we think that's more to come and it's a cheap asset you know six billion dollars of cash no debt um so you think zoom is going to not be a one-trick pony in the near future because i've always argued zoom is cheap but i've argued on the other side it's been cheap because they need to prove that they're not gopro that they just have one product sure. and that's in competition obviously has come for that product we know we've had cisco webex obviously we use teams you know on this you know there's been so, many, so much competition <laughs> you know coming in so yeah when microsoft's attacking you um i mean there so you think there's some more stuff coming for zoom yeah. I mean, again, uh, it's one of those things where when you go to 600 and you go to, you know, 200, 300, 100, 80, 60, you know, the natural instincts is, you know, I'm not going to get burned twice, right? The average investor. Um, so you step away, but, you know, last quarter they disclosed 10% of revenue is now Zoom phone. Um, so that alone just tells you, you know, they're diversifying some of their base. Not only that, they're attaching to their meetings, right? So that now that customer becomes much more sticky. Um, Zoom Contact Center now has 500 customers, you know, probably growing, you know, triple digits. It's a year and a half old. Um, so we suspect, you know, in the next year, year and a half, two years, you'll see 25, maybe 30% of their business coming from non-meetings. Um, and it's a big deal. I mean, I think uh, the, the Microsoft stuff is a little bit, it's real, right? It's real, but it's a little overblown because the world's big. Not everyone uses, you know, Microsoft sales teams loves uh, Zoom. So, you know, for us, we think we're comfortable in the valuation, comfortable in, you know, Eric Wan, the founder and CEO, um, and what they're doing there. And the the proof is in the pudding in terms of, you know, some of the disclosures around phone and contact center. So let's keep talking about some of these consumer stocks, of course, both in the traditional or technology sector. It seems like you're seeing them as attractive investments. What are some other ones here that you can kind of point out for us, Sean? And this is, you know, consumer assets you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's a lot of ways to slice and dice, you know, what is the consumer, right? So one that we appreciate, uh, we've always appreciated, we've we've bought it, we've sold it, we've bought again, um, is like a, a square or a block, right? They're highly tied to the consumer, 
many like fintech or, or financial, you know, a lot of people are fearful of student loan debt. Um, a lot of people are fearful of, you know, the economy at the end of the day, delinquencies, things like that. So some of the areas that target that um, have been hit pretty hard. So that's, you know, one area that I think is interesting. Then you go to like the retail side and retailers, you know, if you take the the index of, you know, many of the specialty retailers, they're trading near, you know, financial crisis, multiple lows. Right. Um, we own Capri and that that just got taken, um, uh, just got acquired, you know, two weeks ago. It was a good win for us, but, and something nice. we held. But the, you know, Tapestry, uh, you know, acquired it. And that alone is that interesting, you know, trading at a, you know, sub 10, nine multiple. Now it's going to have six, you know, brands. For us, you know, we step back and we want the deal to close and then see how, you know, things, you know, happen thereafter before actually getting, you know, hyper involved there. But, you know, you look across the landscape of retail, good brands, you know, just trading at, at multiples that are, are fairly attractive uh, across the board. The question is, you know, when do you enter that? Because mm. there was a lot of consumption a year and a half ago, two years ago. So you're comping against some of that. You know, the consumer is a little bit more uh, discerning in between what they want to buy. Um, but there's an opportunity there. It's just a matter of, I think, when you pull that trigger. All right. Of course, uh, we've been looking at the AI kind of space. And of course, uh, we can take a look into this. And I wanted to hear your outlook on kind of generative AI areas and stocks that could be bringing it. Maybe some real AI, some fake AI, the way that I call it. Um, but let's talk a little bit on this. Um, one company that I saw in your notes that was interesting to me is what about like a Wix? Could Wix be an AI play? Yeah, no, good, good, uh, pointed question there. Um, we've, um, like we love Wix, uh, for many reasons, management to product. Um, and you know, it's all about data. It's all about platform characteristics. It's, it's giving the user, like, if we're talking about AI and gener uh, generative AI in terms of, you know, what's the utility aspect of it? I think that's ultimately what matters. Like what's the utility to the end user and customer? Um, Wix is, is right there with the, you know, the best of them. They started Wix ADI, uh, artificial design intelligence in, in 2016. I remember how like shocked I was, you basically like type in what your business is and it gave you like a preset, you know, um, highly unique personalized website, right? It was like probably 50% of the way of like what you actually thought, you know, this stuff should look like, um, you fast forward to today and they just launched uh, their own another version of like, you know, essentially Wix ADI. And it's really around, you know, generative AI is really around an AI and how we're, we're engaging with it today is engaging with it in your own, you know, verbiage language, right? So that the, the actual computer can, can do and achieve what your, your outcome is. Um, so Wix has all the data, has users that are trying to build websites that aren't skilled in, in code. Um, and so it sets up really, really well for them. And their product is, you know, first and none, or second to none in terms of um, quality. So I think, uh, you know, they're really well positioned for AI. They've been doing this for a long time. They've published plenty of research pieces around AI. Um, so this is definitely an AI first company that hasn't necessarily talked about it enough over the last, you know, five, seven years. Um, so that, that's kind of how we're thinking about it. And, and Wix is super well positioned with the user base and assets. So. All right, let's wrap it up with some Fed talk. Of course, how do you see the Fed Reserve moving forward? Of course, they'll have a meeting this week, but a lot of us are looking towards the November meeting. What do you think happens here, Sean? Yeah, I mean, what's going to happen is, you know, you, you kind of just have to go off the probability that you see out there with what the market's, uh, you know, suggesting. So, you know, the market's 
is essentially telling us, right, in terms of probabilities, saying that, you know, uh, September is, you know, no go in terms of rate hikes. Uh, same thing with November. Um, so we're going to go with that for now. Um, I do think, you know, more deflationary type of data is still in the cards. Um, and, you know, I, ultimately, I think that's what's going to drive the boat. I think the, the Fed is clearly data dependent now. I think they've articulated that, seen that even like, you know, after last week's economic data that came out, you had some of the members come and speak and, um, we're at that moment. The question is, is, you know, there's still some, there's like little wiggle room that I think, um, you know, people are still concerned about where, you know, do you get a, an actual acceleration, reacceleration in inflation? You just don't see it. I mean, it's hard to point to anything that's truly reaccelerating. Um, and, you know, the feds has, you know, they were late clearly. I think they kind of got somewhat lucky because of all the, the, the deposits and cash that are out there, but you know, you could say stepping back and say, you know, they probably did a decent job here of an economy that is in in decent enough shape and companies doing decent jobs, doing decent. I mean, it's hard to uh, say things are are bad. It's just, you know, are they perfect? No, but it, that's a hard job to, to to do specifically after you know a once in a hopefully lifetime um, type of event that occurred. Um, they put out one fire with Silicon Valley Bank and you know a couple others around there. Um, so, you know, I think for us, when we look at the fed, we think, you know, they're essentially out of the equation, more, more commentary that's going to happen. Cause again, you don't have, you know, you have another couple of weeks and, and then a whole month to skip. So they'll be as hawkish as, uh, they can, uh, without trying to tighten markets too much. Cause they, I think they, they think they're restrictive and we agree. So. Sean Emery, founder and CIO of Avery and company. Definitely check him out. Always good to have you on Sean and we'll bring you back my friend. Take care. Awesome, guys. Appreciate it. All right, let's get back to the markets. We are still we still are climbing here in the pre-market. Now back on the SPY to 450.83s. Of course, closing price I have here on Friday as 451.22s. We're almost back to that level. What do you think here, Dennis? Chop. We're still just chopping around here. And we do run into serious resistance when we start getting up here. Just like it's buy up a 458 to 459. I always look at the spy because I don't pay for the SP quotes. Complained about too. that before. <laughs> yeah, as a professional, they went from six dollars a month to seven hundred dollars a month. There was about seven, eight years ago there. And I was yeah, like, that's no, like Twitter going with their brand issue. <laughs> the Twitter well, organization. I don't understand the Twitter brand. <laughs> pay up, Dennis. Pay up two thousand dollars a month, baby. Yeah, that drives me nuts. So, no, <laughs> I don't. Like, I don't know what's going on with Twitter. We're going to call it Twitter forever because X is just a horrible name. So, but that's a story for another day. I think we just come back. We come. We've come back a long ways from the lows that we were just at two weeks ago. We've bounced nicely. I think it's time to have some digestion. If we're going to go higher here, I don't think it's going straight up. I don't think we're just going to miss this rally. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're just going to have a second half, you know, just like the first half here. And I keep saying the half, but there's only four months left here. I just don't think this last third of the year is going to be as easy. And you know what? The summer wasn't as easy. We know the first half was really good. July was really good. They're like, oh, and then August was a sell-off. So, you know, we bounce back end of August. Maybe we just continue the Merry Parade. Maybe people are too bearish. Maybe, you know, to Sean's point that, you know, stocks are fairly cheap when you get outside those top 10 in the S&P. So those are all good points. I just don't think with interest rates where they are that people are just going to be, you know, spending and spending and spending forever. Eventually, it does start to slow down a bit. So not saying I'm getting full bearish here. I just think you don't chase stocks. I think expect more chop in the last four months of the year. Then these smooth moves higher, smooth moves lower. Everybody wants to say, we'll be 20% higher, we'll be 10% lower, you know, all these calls. 
Maybe we'll just be at the same spot. And you're just going to be able to play that shop. Fade trade. Yeah, that's what I'll be looking for. I'm expecting that. I did want to throw up a little ticker time here so you guys in the Let's chat can throw up some tickers. Go ahead. This is your chance, guys. Um, one thing that I would say here is I am watching some oil stocks. I'll just kind of bring something for us to talk about. Of course, oil is at 85.55. I'm seeing WTI. It's a little bit higher now, um, but it's been in the range between 85 and 86. It's of late. I know I went after Chevron last week. I already sold a little bit of a portion of this position. Looking for this to continue climbing. I got this at 161, starting to see this make a move. I've seen XOM starting to make a move. And just look at the XLE, right, to just make it easy. Look at this. This is starting to look pretty strong to me. What do you guys see here? Last time we were up here, we fought in the 90s to get back up here. Now yeah. we're starting to hold the 90s. I think this is something definitely to look out for, especially if you're thinking about inflation coming back. Well, we know how oil can be sticky. And if oil comes back to, let's say, 90s or $100 a barrel, where are we going to be at? Yeah, well, oil has been the buy. June, July, everybody was throwing it out. It was all going to be AI. We don't need oil anymore. We don't need value stocks. We're just buying AI. And then that came back to life. And we know some of these stocks that were beat up did come back. My PXD has been unbelievable. I'm still on Pioneer Natural Resources. I picked it up at 215. Took some heat. It went down to 200 after I had bought it. Now it's up here at 241. It went ex-dividend here today for buck eighty-four. So it does appear that it's down here today, but you got knocked a dollar eighty-four. So it's only actually down 82 cents um it's been a good one too oxy i did yeah. ring the register in that one finally just kind of you know got away from the buffett zone to a certain extent it always seems to come back into that buffett zone you know i like that from 58 59 mm -hmm. chevron is a pure value stock i mean sheep they're doing the buyback still i mean down in the 150s it seems like a no-brainer but um you could argue too that you know it's been a pretty good run for oil here. So certain stocks maybe you are chasing to a certain extent. The XLE is ninety, it was seventy-seven. So, I mean, maybe you need a pullback here now before just running in and chasing oil. But the momentum traders like this now, you know, where I'm kind of more of a turn trader, where I try to identify turns or when stocks are you know going down or sectors are going down, they start to hook. That's where I like them more. Um, oil's been really good for the last couple months, but maybe you know I, I just don't. Again, I'm going to throw the same thing. I don't think it's going to be as easy as it was last couple months for oil. I don't think we're just going to blast off. Next LE is going to be 110, 120. I don't see that happening. I'll tell you a name that it seems like they don't want nothing to do with it is Coca-Cola. And I've been talking about that, that they don't want anything to do with it. I think Dennis has been pointing out to this, of course, with the Tina trade, uh, with a no Tina trade anymore. Um, what do you think about Coke here? I have a day trading position in it. So I'll let my comments, I would pick but... it. I would pick the one. Yeah, I don't have a lot of positions, but I do have a day trading position. I mean, I'm getting out of it. I, I actually was just selling some of it right now, um, just before I even start talking about it. It's um, I just had it just a, a, it's hedged against other staples. But overall, yeah. you know, I talk against you know because I am long a little bit in the day trading portfolio. But again, I just don't like these sectors as swing trade long term investments because 3.1 percent dividend. Why am I in Coke? When, you know, again, for trades and sect and Paris trades and stuff like that, it's different. But why am I investing in Coke at this point in time when I can go and get 6% in a GIC? I mean, the banker calling me two weeks ago, 6%, 3% is the Coke dividend. I mean, you say, oh, what a nice dividend, 3%. Coke is not a nice dividend anymore. Coke is not a good dividend at all. And there's no growth. Why am I in Coke? Why am I in these consumer staples? You've got to ask yourself those questions from a long-term perspective with the long-term hat on. I think they continue to underperform utilities. I think they all continue to underperform. 
until interest rates actually start going down. All right, let's keep going. You guys wanted to take a look at AI. I seen AI mentioned twice, C3 AI coming back a little bit towards the 30s. This is one that I don't think gets back there to 45, but that's just my outlook. Um, it's it's hung on, but this is one of those that was hype. Again, the, the, the technicals are somewhat productive. You got a little cup and handle here. You can see if you really scroll in just recently here, Mitch, you can see his good support down here at 28. It's consolidating mm -hmm. here. If we get an NVIDIA pop, this will pop with it. But I think from a long-term perspective, this isn't like, just because they got the cool ticker symbol, I don't know if this is where I'm putting my AI investing dollars. Yeah, I just I, I just see this as a rejection of the move. I see this as an ABC move, and it'll just go down from there. Uh, but that's just using FIBS and Dow Theory. Uh, moving forward, Array. That's an interesting one mentioned in the chat here. Um, I can tell you right now, I've never traded away array well. Um, been stopped out, I think, twice that I've played it. Um, it just loves to go sideways for me, and that's the problem. Sideways stocks are not your friend when you're trying to swing trade. I'm trying to make this get this stock above highs. Look at the weekly highs; they're all in a similar area now. I think that's one trying thing to, to break out, out though. It's trying, it's trying, but it just never can get the move. That's where I just, for me. It's a wait and see type of move. I want to see it continue to move towards like 30. Then I can start maybe looking for pullbacks. I have no comment on that one. I don't follow it closely enough. Okay. It's just a uh, solar stock at the end of the day. Solar, I, of course, why not just stick to first solar? I, I like to just do that, right? Stick with the leader. We'll see what happens with that. It's been the best of breed, but solar has just been an epic disaster everywhere. Exactly. So, that's why, again, because that's why I can't go jumping into it. Interest rates have hammered the solar sector. Bottom line, certain sectors have been hit. Interest rates have hit solar. Interest rates have killed ENPH. Here's an interesting one, of course, and I'll bring these two together because I see them mentioned in the chat. Amazon and Shop. What do you think about these? Shop already just taking off. Big, like, they say there's no such thing as V-bottoms. That's a V-bottom if I see it. There you go. At least right now in the recent action. And look at that. You see, yeah. they say there's no such thing, but that's I it. I wanted it. That's I wanted it, it lower. That's, I wanted it in the bottom. 40s. I'm mad. I didn't get it. You wanted it too. We both wanted this in the 40s. Yeah. It didn't get there. And now it blasts off without us again. It's like, I make good calls on this stock. I just don't execute on this stock. I don't get mm -hmm. in there. Amazon, I've had in my wife's RSP here since 108. Continue to hold it there. Um, it's a it's a fairly large position, actually. It's grown even larger. I haven't sold any Amazon here yet. It's been holding up well. Does have resistance up here at 140. Does have a nosebleed multiple, but got to be invested in something. Yeah, I think Amazon. Uh, to me, it wants 140, 150. So I'm gonna be looking for it to kind of get the lift. That's just the stock well. that I'm keeping a watch. It's held up well. Yeah, and then with Shop, you know, I'll keep an eye on both of those. Um, we'll see if some of the growth names can get moving. Of course, we'll be keeping an eye on this one. Uh, here's an interesting one: a lithium name, just to. Kind of wrap it up. It's 901, but uh, LTHM has not gone anywhere in the last couple of, let's say, days or even weeks. Uh, you guys can see it a little bit of a bunch up here on the weeklies in the last three weeks. At least I could see those lows kind of hanging in there. The 21, I'd see that as support right now. I wouldn't want to see it go back through 21, start making its move to 22 and 23. Yeah. But uh, it, the, my biggest thing with lithium is always keeping an eye on the auto manufacturers. When I've seen Tesla rip, a lot of the times these lithium names come back like an, in a lagging motion. 
But if I see Tesla or some of the autos struggling, a lot of the times I've seen the lithium name struggle. Oh, for too. sure. For sure. And so There's this is just one thing that I there. keep. Yeah, I just keep watch on that relationship. Direct relationship. Valuations are all dirt cheap on these things. Um, I think you got to have a long time horizon. I've got lithium in the long-term portfolio. So I have ALB in the long-term portfolio. I think 10 years from now, I'm going to be happy. They've been out of favor here. Short-term, from a trading perspective, hard to be long these things as a trade because they've been underperforming and they're heavy. And like you said, the autos, got, we've got issues with the autos right now. I do like lithium long-term though. Yeah, that's something that I think of too. Uh, I want positions in here, but thinking like, five years out you, you know what i mean price. and that's the one thing you got to think about too right it's not maybe putting all your eggs in at one time especially when we're thinking investments i don't like to put in my orders all at once but to each his own right if you guys like to more average down approach and investing style on this i would definitely be kind of looking at monthly charts to try to get me monthly supports so on lthm that's 20 right and then the next layer down 15 Things like that is what I'd be looking at to try to get in and time this stock, right? When you're in the long-term investment, you don't have to all get that all that money in at once, right? That's one thing I would just say, be careful with that in the lithium names. All right, that's going to do it for us. Let's wrap it up here. Any last comments on the market, Dennis, as we get into the open? We're seeing a lot of chop in the pre-market. We were down, then we were flat, then we're down, now we're flat. I think it's a preview of what's going to be happening here. Analyst commentary will move the markets. Fed speak will still move the markets here. I just think everybody has an opinion here, and a lot of them are conflicting. And that's why I get this feeling that we're in for a choppy period. What do you? How do you trade choppy markets? You do not chase. That's the main point I'm trying to make here. There's certain markets when you're full-blown momentum, maybe you can chase in certain markets. In this type of market, I think you don't get paid to chase. Definitely hit the like button, and I agree with that outlook, Dennis, uh, especially in the I just chop. hit the like button. Um, one of my biggest things in the chop is that it usually does what? It usually chops up not institutional action, but more retail action. So that's one thing that I would put out there is just be careful trading within those ranges and we're not seeing the continuation moves like we were when we were seeing all these tech names continuing to lift and lift. I'll be watching to see the tech names kind of take lead, of course, and keeping an eye on the financials. I still see them struggling a little bit, but nobody seems to be talking about those names, of course, I'm talking about regional bank outlook. What will happen with the KRE? Will we move down to 43 or back to 49? If we're back to 49 and 50, yeah, you can see the market continuing to lift. I've also been pointing this out in the XL left, how this has been coming back. Had a recent kind of little push last week. Let's see what happens now. I'll keep watching the banks. And of course, we'll keep an, all, an eye out open for all the different sectors and industries. If you guys catch anything, let us know, of course. You guys can always hit up Dennis Dick, Triple D Trader, Money Mitch BZ. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. One, Any last one comments, more thing, Dennis? One more thing before you go. Yeah, one last comment. Just keep an eye on the TLT. This market is TLT? not going to rip, roaring, and rallying until this TLT turns. Yeah, TLT is still one. down here again today. Still trying to look like it wants to break down to new lows here. You need to get this thing back above 100 bucks. This is an issue for the overall market. What's bonds have to do? Well, it's rates. It's rate outlooks. You know, it's it's a good tell on all of that. And I think if the TLT continues to show weakness, I think it's going to be hard for this stock market to have a sustained rally. 
All right, that's going to do it for us. Like always, you guys can catch us tomorrow right here on Pre-Market Prep. Up next, you guys got live trading. Don't go anywhere, team. We got a lot more for you guys right here, of course, on Benzinga. Don't go anywhere, team. If you didn't catch last week's Kathy Wood interview, let me know what you guys thought about that for those people that did catch it. And, of course, you guys can check that out. That's right there in our channel. We'll see you guys over on live trading. That's starting up next. Don't go anywhere, team. We got a lot more for you guys right here on Benzinga.